Hey, Redeem family, I hope you are doing well. Hey, we have an important topic as we continue our Colossians series right now. And what we're going to talk about today is being different and standing out. But it's not going to be the world's way of being different and standing out. We want to look at what actually Paul's writing about of how do we put on this new self. Now, why it's so important for this time is that I believe that if we start to live into some of these principles that Paul's going to lay out for us, that as individuals and as a church, that we will actually see our friends and our family that are far away from God, and even our community as we do this together, be attracted to the new life that we're living. So hang on tight. There's a lot that we're going through. It's a normal Kurt sermon where I go really fast, so I apologize. But I really want us to understand what this will do if we begin to live differently. Now, when I was thinking about living differently and standing out, I went back to high school, Kurt. And so I hope this is a judgment-free zone. I'm going to share some things that my mom did not condone, that she would not be proud of sharing this. If you were a friend of mine in high school, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But high school Kurt was not, a, not the best Kurt. And so uh, one of the things that I was, I was pretty obsessed and pretty like, focused on being different and standing out. So I wrote down just a couple things. I grew up in a small town in Indiana. Uh, I'm not from around here, but you know, we had similar things. And so I was a high school student in the late 90s, early 2000s. So you'll understand some of these references. Now, the first thing that I wrote when I thought about what did I do to be different and stand out was there was a rapper named Eminem. I'm sure everyone knows Eminem, no matter what age range you are. But Eminem was really getting popular like my sophomore year of, of, of high school and, and really into my senior year of high school, I think. And so I did what most guys my age did, but to stand out and to be different, I, I, I you know, buzzed my head and bleached my hair completely white, right? Many of you have probably made the same mistake. But what's good for me is that my hair was blonde, so it wasn't that noticeable, but it was not a good look for high school Kurt. Now, the second thing that I did that my mom definitely didn't condone, and, and no judgment on this, but uh, I, I pierced my ear, and, and my buddies pierced my ear, and, and not only did I, I went for it, because one earring didn't look great on me, but then I decided to get two earrings. And so if you were in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a time where like piercing this as a guy was really cool, or at least I thought it was really cool. And so I was rocking bleach blonde hair with two earrings in my ear. I was also in a, a punk emo band named Bid Farewell. That was not a good season as well. But you know, if you're in that, you have to have some ears pierced. Then the third thing is, is that for some random reason, to be different and stand out, why everyone was wearing tuxes and suits to their high school prom, I, I decided to wear shorts. And, and looking back at it on pictures, it's the most ridiculous look that you could ever have. But I was obsessed with, on the outside, being different, doing something to stand out. Now, this is a drastic kind of example, but I think that high school, Kurt, I think we still... I think if we look back at us as high school students, we could think about the times that we were trying to stand out and be different. But we are still trying to stand out in a lot of ways. Now, one of the challenges that we find out, that we find, is that when we think about kind of being different, we think about what we do. We think about what we do. But we're really to stand out. It's more about who we are becoming. Now, I'm a marketer by trade, and so I love looking at advertisements. And so one of my favorite ads is the Think Different campaign by Apple. Now this came out in 1997, and this was when Apple was not what Apple is today. I'm rocking the, the Mac right now. Everyone probably watching this has an iPhone. You, you're probably watching it on an on a Apple product. 
But in 1997, they came out with this ad campaign to really begin to change their image. And this image was called, or this, this ad campaign was called the Think Different. And so they would use popular people who did incredible things like Amelia Earhart and Pablo Picasso and Thomas Edison and Jimi Hendrix and Frank Sinatra. There were uh, a couple, I think Gandhi was on there, Martin Luther King Jr. And what it was, was it was all really just focusing on how people made a difference and how they stood out, how they did things to make it to, to be different. And so the, the ad copy right here was, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not found, uh, fond of rules and they, they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see the, them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who actually do think different. Now, it's a great ad. I, I still watch it. I think there's like 12 million views on YouTube. Probably a million of them are, are mine because if I need to get pumped up, I will watch this ad because it gets you pumped up. But when I was reflecting on this ad and then reflecting on the, the, the verses that we're going to talk about today, I was thinking about, you know, one of the challenges for Christians living in this world is that we can get pumped up by that ad, but to make an eternal difference, we need to start stand out from the inside, not just what we do. We can focus so much on how we are going to be different, how we're going to stand out by what we do, but Christ is asking us, to really look at what is happening on the inside and that when we begin to think about what's happening on the inside, that's where we make the eternal, eternal impact and really stand out for our communities and make a difference in our communities. Look, I don't know where you're at. I was thinking about some of the people within the redeemed community and I was thinking of a couple of people that might be listening. You know, maybe you're single and, and you're, you're really looking for someone and you have this insecurity because, you know, in the dating app world, now you're just one swipe away from, you know, finding true love. And yet, you, you, now it's such a crowded space that you have to look different or you have to be different or you have to stand out or you have to make something up about yourself to really make people notice you. Because you're just, you're just thinking about, in this app world, how do people even take notice of me? You know, this has happened to me. Maybe you're at work and you keep getting, keep getting skipped over for promotions and you find yourself living not in the Christ-like manner because you realize that the nice guy finishes last and as you get, uh, get people promoted over you, you might start to feel angry or do something or start gossiping or whatever that is, but you begin to say, how do I stand out in this work world? Or maybe you're just somebody that you know, is, often finds themselves comparing themselves to others. You're scrolling through Instagram or Snapchat or your Facebook and you're starting to say, hey, I, I want to attain this social status, so I'm going to have to start dressing a certain way or worrying about what car I drive or worrying about what my house looks like or how big my house is. And we all are really have this thing where we have this drive to stand out and be different. Now, that's not a bad thing, but I want to challenge us on our motives and to really think about what could we do to stand out and be different in a world because we are supposed to be different in this world. Now, I think one of the challenges that we find is that in today's world, that our search to stand out is led by ego. So ego is defined as kind of a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And so we come at it from an ego standpoint. But we find in Colossians 
that the key to truly standing out and to be different and to be change agents in this world is to lose our egos. So it's not to pursue our egos, but it's actually to lose our egos. So let's look at what God says about this. We're going to dig into Colossians 3. We're going to go 12 through 17 here. And so I'm just going to start with Colossians 3, 12. And, and it starts here. Therefore. So that's, that's all I want to go into right now. Therefore. It's a big word. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you have to go back to think about what are they saying before because it's significant there. So let's stop there for a second. You know, I, I hope many of you watched uh, Pastor or Dr. Marty's uh, sermon last week. Um, because it was really important uh, to think about. And, and so the therefore is going back to the section that Marty talked about. Now, Marty's section was very hard. The best thing about your father-in-law being on the teaching team and having his doctoral ministry is that he can take all the hard passages and I can have the fun ones like putting on the new self. But, you know, what, what, we'll link at the end of this YouTube, but I want you to go back and watch it because it's so important that we understand first that it's dying to the old self. So he talked about setting our hearts on things above and setting our minds on things above, getting rid of the old self, ridding ourselves of things like sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, etc. You could keep going and, and there's a list there. But then Paul begins to talk about putting on the new self and that's where we're going to focus on. Now in these verses, there's two cool things that are ha happening here. The first is that he's talking to us as putting on a new self as individuals, but then he also talks about it as corporately, as a church. What does this look like? So as we put on the new self individually, we're also corporately supposed to behave in a way that makes that new self come to life. So let's start talking about the, the individuals. So we're going to just go to Colossians 3, verse 12, and what does the new self look like? Therefore, as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, my reaction when I read lists like this or I read anything in life change, and I'm working on this, and I want to make sure that I clearly communicate it, is that my first reaction is that by might and by will, I am going to become this. Like, I, today, I'm going to become more compassionate compassionate. I'm going to be more kind than ever before. My family is going to think I'm the, the most kind person in the world. I'm going to be the most humble person in the world. Like starting today, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be patient. And if you know me, patience is not my forte. So, so I'm, I'm thinking about willing and just by might, just becoming these things and putting these things on. Now, I want to, I want to go back to college, Kurt, now. And, and one, when I was in college, I got this prophetic word from a friend of mine. We were in a prayer circle, and she shared this thing that she got from me. Now, I, I believe in the prophetic, and one of the challenges that we have is that oftentimes prophetic can be used wrongly. And so one of the things that we want to make sure that as we receive a prophetic word, and this is just a side tangent, but as we receive a prophetic word that we're working on with through discernment for God's word and through other people acknowledging it, and just really trusting that that, that, that word is for, for us. And so I did some prayer on it and made sure that it was good. But I really felt like this was, this was going to be a lifelong struggle for me. And it was so kind of God to give me this. And I think that it might be for many of you that are, are listening to this. So the prophetic word was, she got this image of me. 
and, and, and in it, it was a piece of wood, and there was a nail in it. That, was, that wasn't very far in there. And I had this bloodied hand, and I was just punching it as hard as I could to get this nail to go into the wood. Now, the interesting thing about this image was that sitting right next to it, this wood, wood and nail, was a hammer. And the Lord was just trying to say to me, Kurt, will you pick up the hammer instead of trying to slam your fist and get this nail into this piece of wood? And I think for many of us, we're, we, when, we, when we read stuff like this, we think by will and by might, we're going to change. And yet the Lord says that there's a hammer. And that hammer is the spirit. And so when we think about, I'm going to will myself to become more compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, these things, we got to say, where else do we find these words, right? Paul talks about it a lot. And one of the most important places we find it is in Galatians. Galatians 5, 22 through 25, the fruits of the Spirit, right? There's a similarity here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God is providing this new way of living through the Spirit. And one of the things that's hard is that oftentimes when we think about the Spirit, we think about the, uh, we think about, uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit. We don't think about the fruits of the Spirit. We think about doing. We think, God, give us, give us these gifts so that we can carry this work out. But God also is saying, hey, we, we need to have these fruits of the Spirit. These are the things that are going to attract people to me. These are the things that are going to make you live beyond yourself. And people are going to say, what is different about that person? Love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, kindness, being humble. These things are what, the, what we know that the Spirit is at work in our lives. Now, the, going before we come to the list, he talks about as God's chosen people, holy and dear, dearly loved, to clothe yourself. Now, I reverse these two because I want to talk now about, okay, we understand that God gives these things. Now, our job is to clothe ourselves with it. Look, the Lord wants us to be dressed in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And Paul uses this language a lot, right? You can think about it in Romans when he says, put on the armor of God. Galatians 3.27, he says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So as we get baptized, the old self, we come up with the new self. And the first thing that, that he says as the baptism happens is we now clothe ourselves with God, I mean, with Christ. So we actually are just putting on the clothes that Christ has provided for us. And it's true of these things too. We're just called to clothe ourselves with what God is providing through the Spirit. You know, I was talking to Mar Dr. Marty about this, and, and, uh, and, and he was saying, you know, the thought of being dressed by someone is just embarrassing to him, right? Like, that's just an embarrassing thing. And so he admitted to me, although I knew about this, but I'll, I'll call him out for this. Uh, he, he was like, you know, he watches Downton Abbey. I don't know how else to say it. I think it's my mother-in-law. He watches it with my mother-in-law but he watches Downtown Abbey. And so he was talking about, you know, in this Downtown Abbey, they, I think it's Downtown, I'm not saying Downtown, it's Downtown Abbey, right, for all you fans out there, but you, these people stand in, in Victorian age, like people dress them, right? And he's like, man, that is so embarrassing to think of somebody dressing me, like I just couldn't do it, right? But the Lord is providing the clothes, 
and we just have to put it on, right? But sometimes we don't want the Lord maybe to see our nakedness, or we think we're too far from the Lord actually providing those clothes. Uh, we, we maybe, our ego gets in the way, and we say, we don't actually need to be dressed in that. Like, I don't want to be dressed in compassion. I don't want to be kind right now. I don't want to be gentle. I don't want to be patient. And yet the Lord is just sitting there, and he's saying, hey, remember, by the Spirit, just clothe yourself in these, and the Spirit will do the work and will change us. He's saying, pick up the hammer, Kurt. Pick up the hammer, whoever is watching this, and stop with the bloody fist. Stop trying to will yourself in these, but instead embrace it and let the Spirit do the work and change ourselves so that, that, that the world would be impacted and that we can be change agents for this world. Now, we're going to keep going through this, this section here, and Paul's going to move now into the corporate. So as we put on this new self as individuals, now we move into the corporate. And what does this look like as a church? So Colossians 3, 13 through 14. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Look, this is going to be the most obvious statement, but I want you to hear this. If you are going to be in community, you are going to have to forgive people. If you are going to be in redeemed church, you are going to have to forgive people. If you are in any family structure, you are going to have to forgive people. People are going to, have an, are going to commit an offense against you. It's just human nature. And that's why we talk about this. Look, I, you may not see it, but just... This week, I think I had three or four conversations with people within the redeemed community. Some, some were with people with the redeemed community. Some were outside. But the only solution that we had coming out of it was forgiveness. Like there was just going to have to be a forgiveness that happens. And so it's, it's really an important thing. Now, he uses really strong language here. Paul uses forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in my notes right here, because I, I literally don't know what else to say, I just wrote boom. Like just boom. Like Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like this is a very big concept and it's, it's loaded in that, in that one line. You know, as we mature, we, as Christians, we, we gain a, a deeper understanding of the needs for forgiveness and the countless sins that we, we have committed and that we will commit. And, and, and the Lord is actually calling us to forgive people at the same level that he forgave us. And as we gain this understanding of how much we need forgiveness, we understand how much we need to forgive others. Now, one of the most obvious, obvious places in this, and I want to bring it back up because it's important for us to remember, is in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. So Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I, I, I'm with you, Peter. I like seven times seems like a lot. At, at, at eight times, it's like, all right, we're good. Like, I can't do it anymore. Seven times seems like a lot. If someone, you need to forgive someone seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, if you do the math, that's 490, I believe. And, and, and that's not what he's saying. Like, now it's not from seven, it's 490. He's basically saying, in this infinite way. Like, this is, this is never ending. We have to be people of forgiveness, because you have to forgive like I forgave you. And that's so important for us to understand that the Lord is calling us to this next level of forgiveness. Now, as a church, 
and I'm not using just redeemed church, just people of faith, you know, we, 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 we often have an understanding, we often reflect on the forgiveness that God has given us and is giving us, but often we fall short of the, on passing the forgiveness on. So oftentimes we are so thankful for the Lord forgiving us, and it's so important for us to understand that the Lord forgives us, but we often fall short on passing that forgiveness on. Now, now that we have forgiveness, we have to start to put on love, which binds us together in perfect unity. Now, Paul continues this strong language here from Colossians 2.2. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, that they would attain all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. Look, this is a, a broken world. Um, you know, I was, I was, got an advertisement, you know, a couple months back for a CNN uh, documentary called Divided We Stand. And, and, you know, where our country's at, where, where the world's at, you know, we have to begin to live into this truth that we as Christians are called to love and forgiveness because love unites and love binds and love knits us together and forgiveness heals and love is perfect. Now, let's look at a couple examples because it's so important that we understand this loving and forgiveness lifestyle. So, John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. And Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Look, let, let, there's no way around it. There's division in the world. There's division in America. There's division in Lakewood, Til, uh, 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 Tacoma, UP, Stillicum, DuPont, the South Sound, maybe even at Redeemed Church. There's division. But how are we going to make a difference and how are we going to speak into that division if we can't find love and forgiveness, and unity as the body of Christ. How can we speak to the outside world about this if we don't find it first as a community? It starts with us, right? And the Spirit is going to be moving us towards this new self and then into forgiveness and into love that unites, that knits us all together. Now keep moving here. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Now, there's, there's a podcast that I, I love called uh, This Cultural Moment. And it's by a pastor in Australia and a pastor in Portland. And they talk about this idea that being people of peace will be one of the greatest evangelism opportunities of this generation. I think it's a very interesting conversation. I was just looking up some stats, and according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 40 million Americans suffer from long lasting anxiety. And I'm guessing. Uh, more, more of us suffer from regular anxiety. Now, uh, just full transparency, I deal with anxiety. I'm an anxious person. I've gone to the doctor about it. I've set some systems up in my life, but I am still working on this. So there is no shame if you are in a, ser in, in a period or in a season of anxiety and worry. There's no shame in that. But we need to begin to, as a community, begin to become this peace. And I'm working on becoming a man of peace because the power, because I think that's true, 
that in an anxious world, when they see people of peace, they'll be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's two thoughts on that. For us to gain greater peace, whether you're an anxious person or not, it's all about us letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It's a lordship issue. And that's something that I remind myself every day on. Am I letting the peace of Christ rule in my heart? And as a member of a body, we are called to peace to do this together, to let it rule together as a community and to make sure that people are, that we're not doing anything to help cause people not to have peace. And for people that don't have peace, we're helping them out. Look, we see that this is happening on an individual level and a corporate level. But if we're really going to make a difference, we have to think that the Lord is going to be doing something through us from the inside out. And we begin to live out these values and to live out these characteristics. People will be attracted to these things. Look, many people are in a get what I need to get, mine, mine, mine mentality. We have to show them what it's like to give unwarranted compassion. They're, they're in this place where they think that to get ahead, they have to be mean and tough and look out for me. And we have to show overwhelming kindness. You know, they're, they're in this world where through social media, they're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And we have to show them what it's like to be, to live in a humble way that can change the world. They're, they're in a place where it's like, I need this now. And we have to show never ending patience. They see a world and they're feeling pain and hurt and division, and we have to show them unquestionable forgiveness. They're, they're chasing feelings and relationship and greed, and they're, they're just never finding, finding happiness, and we have to show them unconditional love. You know, they're, they're, they're dealing with anxiety and worry and noise, and we have to show them a peace that passes all understanding. So, can we as a community at least try this new self-living? Can we try to be this example for the rest of the world? And let's just see if it makes a difference. You know, let me end this message with just a short benediction. So we're going to finish with Colossians 3, 16 through 17, because I think this will really empower us to move forward in this week. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I'm challenging us. Let's be different, but let's be different from the inside out. Let's put on that new self. Let's forgive one another. Let's let love be the, the thing that unifies us. Let's walk in peace. Let's do it all with thankfulness and songs from the Spirit with gratitude. And don't do it through might, but do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about picking up that hammer to get that nail in, not just, shut, just slamming our fist in it. I think that if we do this, we will begin to watch and see things change. So let me pray that over you. God, we are so thankful for this message that you, are, you care about us from the inside out. Lord, will you help us put that new self on? Lord, will you help us to forgive one another, even when it doesn't make sense? Will you help us love one another so that we can be unified and that we can show the outside world what your love looks like? Lord, will you help us be people of peace that walk through our lives 
and, and, and people don't even understand how we can be living that way, but we're showing you as we do that. Lord, can we as a community be the example? Lord, we want things to change. We want this community to change. We want our families to change. We want our friends to, to know the love of God. Will you just give us opportunities this week to show that love of God through what you're doing through us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, we love you. You know where to find us, redeem.church. If you need anything, hit us up. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.